and welcome to the This Week in Iowa podcast. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. This Week in Iowa focuses on the political scene of the Hawkeye State and beyond. From the State House to the White House, we've got you covered. You can find the This Week in Iowa podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe now. You can also watch This Week in Iowa every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Local 5. Want more local political coverage? Follow This Week in Iowa on Twitter or visit weareiowa.com. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us here on This Week in Iowa. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. Okay, break-ins at two county courthouses with claims that the state is paying these two to do it. We have new documents into our newsroom that tries to get to the bottom of this mess this morning. The agency overseeing Iowa's courts says it had a different understanding of the scope of work to be done by a private security firm that resulted in these two men being accused of breaking into the two courthouses, Polk and Dallas. A statement released this week says the state court administration hired Colorado-based coal fire to, quote, help the Iowa judicial branch ensure the court's highly sensitive data was secured against attack. Again, these two people are the ones who were tasked with the job, 29-year-old Justin Wynn and 43-year-old Gary DeMercurio. The Polk County Sheriff's Office says these two were captured on surveillance footage, physically breaking into the Polk County Courthouse around midnight on September 9th. A small electronic device with their company's logo, Coal Fire, was found inside the courthouse during the investigation, according to the Sheriff's Office. The two were also believed to have broken into the Dallas County Courthouse two days later. That was on September 11th. No charges have been filed in Polk County, but they both face third-degree burglary and possession of burglary tools charges in Dallas County. When originally asked about this Dallas County incident, the state agency that hired Coal Fire released a statement that said, in part, the company was asked to attempt unauthorized access to court records through various means to learn of potential vulnerabilities. SCA did not intend or anticipate those efforts to include forced entry into the building. But just this week, they released the contract between the state court administration, SCA, and coal fire totaling $75,000 that was agreed to in late May. In the rules of engagement, dated July 30th, they say the penetration test and corresponding risk assessment will be performed by coal fire and test the adequacy and effectiveness of security control measures in place to protect the security and integrity of sensitive information technology systems and data. It's a lot of words, but under physical attacks category in the service order, it says, quote, physical attacks may also include targeting your wireless infrastructure to attempt gaining unauthorized and persistent access to the internal network. Physical penetration test targets your facilities, buildings, locations. The agreement also stated that requests for testing must be done between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Time. Again, these two break-ins happened overnight. Along with the release of these documents, though, the state has revised their statement a bit, now saying, quote, Coal Fire and State Court Administration believed they were in agreement regarding the physical security assessments for the locations included in the scope of work. Yet, recent events have shown that Coal Fire and State Court Administration had different interpretations of the scope of the agreement. 
The state agency and the security company say they are conducting independent reviews of the incidents. We'll continue to follow this as we learn more. We are joined now by Jeff Link with Link Strategies. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. So you recently conducted a poll focused on rural America, kind of post the third presidential debate. Yes. Um, so what was the goal of your poll? Well, we do these polls every quarter, and this is our sixth poll, and we just wanted to kind of check in and see how the candidates were doing over the course of a year and a half. And it's really been a terrific thing. We, we ask a bunch of issue questions, particularly on, on rural Iowa and rural America. And um, so we did a poll after the June debate, and we didn't do one in July, but, but this is our third quarter poll, so it came right after the September debate. Perfect timing. Yeah. So what happened in this last debate? What were the results of the poll, and what do you think that means? So it was very interesting. Um, first of all, the Biden and Warren are the clear front runners mm -hmm. in this poll. They're very close. Uh, Biden was at 25, Warren was at 23. And margin of error was? Uh, I think four. Okay, so really they could be neck and neck. Yes, yeah. could be. Uh, could be reversed, mm -hmm. um, but Biden stayed ahead in, in our survey and uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg was in third place with 12%. Um, Bernie Sanders was at nine. Uh, Amy Klobuchar uh, popped up at eight, and then uh, Senator Harris uh, came in next. So this is different than what we're seeing in other polls. We are seeing Biden and Warren at the top, yep. but we're seeing Sanders in third, and then we're seeing quite a big difference between the next tier of candidates and Sanders. So why do you think this poll showed differently? Well, I think a lot of the polls that we're seeing are national polls, and I think Sanders does well in national polls because he has a lot of name identification from running before. Um, in Iowa, he, he has been uh, a little less than some of those national polls, and I, I just, I don't think he had the best debate performance. Mm -hmm. um, I think Senator Warren is kind of can in his lane is how a lot of yes. people like to describe it. And she's got a lot of energy and a lot of momentum right now. And I think some of those Sanders people from 2016 have migrated over to Senator Warren. Did Pete Buttigieg doing so well surprise you? Uh, a little bit. Uh, he, he has shown potential and, and has scored pretty well. He's not doing as well in national polls. Mm -hmm. But again, the national surveys aren't really that important uh, because the primaries are state-by-state state races, and Iowa, because we're first, it really matters. And so I think the uh, there was actually a Washington Post uh, editorial uh, op-ed piece this week that said, ignore the national polls, pay attention to polls like this one that just came out in Iowa, because that's really what we're going right. to, what's going to set the momentum in place early in the primaries. We talked about issues a little bit. What were the issues that you focused on for rural America and rural Iowa? Well, uh, what's timely right now is President yeah. Trump has made a decision to um, give waivers to oil companies, which basically has been crushing the ethanol industry. Right. And so we asked people if they were familiar with President Trump's move to expand E15, which was a positive, and whether they thought that the waivers uh, were going to be more detrimental than, than the E15 would help. And people were aware of both issues. They knew about the E15 and like that. They knew that he had been giving waivers to oil companies and choosing oil co companies over corn producers, and they think that's a very negative thing, uh, and they've been paying close attention. Okay, so of course the, refine the ethanol, the RFS, 
the um, waivers are a huge issue. What other big issues are you seeing in rural Iowa right now? Uh, access to health care mm -hmm. has been a very big issue. Access to good quality education, housing continues to rise up whenever we ask questions about what are the big needs in, in rural Iowa. And so I think w the good news is we've had candidates, about eight candidates put out plans that touch on economic development, housing, education and, and health care, which is important for rural communities to thrive. So what's the biggest takeaway from this poll in general moving forward into the caucuses? Well, uh, the, the one thing that we like to remind people, uh, it's still a long time till yes. the caucus. So we think where this is kind of, if this were like a football game, mm -hmm. we're at the beginning of the third quarter. It's important to see who comes out of the half and where, so we've got a couple candidates out in front, but anything can happen and there's a lot of time left. Jeff Link, thank you so much for your time. Very great. interesting. It's great to be here. everyone we are joined now by Maddie Anderson with Anderson with the Story County Democrats talking about their upcoming event today this evening thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me you are having another event on the weekend of one of the largest Democratic events with 11,000 people the steak fry why choose to have Story County's barbecue event the same weekend that was a choice that we made so that we would have a better chance of getting speakers that would be able to come they're already in Iowa and a lot of times they don't want to come to Iowa two weekends in a row. There are other states there where they need to be spending their time too. So. so what's your goal with this event in Story County? And talk to me a little bit about what it is. This is one of our um, fundraisers. We do three each year. And uh, our largest expense is to run our campaign office during the, um, the season. And so we need to raise funds for that. We also make significant donations to our down ticket candidates. So this is an opportunity for us to raise funds for those expenses. Okay. And how much money are you trying to raise here? And how many people are you expecting? Uh, we usually get between three and 400 people. And um, I think if we raise about $10,000, we'll be happy. Okay. <laughs> wonderful. So talk to me a little bit about why it's important to continue to have events like this in Story County, where it's not one of the main metro counties where you see every single presidential candidate coming to your event but you still have hundreds of Democrats coming who want to get together and feel like their voices are being heard. Yes, and actually we do get most of the candidates do okay. come through. Uh, we hold meet and greets, which are just smaller events, which there is not a ticket price to get into, right. and nearly all the candidates have already held those kind of events mm -hmm. in Story County. Uh, we're lucky, I think, because we're close to Des Moines, close to the airport, that you know candidates are able to um, come our way. And so these big fundraisers are more an opportunity for the candidates to show support for the county party and for the down ticket candidates. And so how many people do you have running on the down ticket at this point? Um, we have, there I'm are, putting you on the spot there. right, <laughs> there, there are four candidates for U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. And then um, J.D. Shulton is running again for um, Congress. Yep, and four. he's the only one that has announced so far. Right. And then, of course, we have our, our um, House races as well. Right, yeah. because those are every two years. Yes, so, yeah. absolutely. Um, so what's your message to members of Story County, but also to people who live across our state, and why? what's the message coming from Story County? Uh, we have a great slate of candidates, and we need you to come out and, and hear what they have to say and support our county party. <laughs> uh, now, as you are gearing up for this event, um, talk to me a little bit about what you're hearing from candidates as they're coming through, and you're hearing some of the people who live in your area talk to candidates. What issues are most important to the people who live in your county? Uh, we have the university, of course, is, is in Story mm -hmm. County, and they have been very focused on voter rights, um, particularly how the new voter ID law is affecting college students, and uh, very focused on the ecology and 
healthcare prices, education costs, those are the main issues that I'm hearing about. Okay, and how do you feel like candidates are responding to those issues? I think that they've had good answers. There's a wide range of you know policy proposals from different ones. There's, I think there's something for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now with so many Democratic presidential candidates, do you feel as though there is a lot of noise coming from so many candidates, or do you think that that's a good thing, that it gives the Democratic voters choice? Uh, both, actually. I, I think that it makes it harder for lesser-known candidates to you know, find some space, and, and we've tried to do that to make sure that um, we've invited all the candidates mm -hmm. to these events. And as each, every time that we have an event, the ones that have come and headlined before, then I don't invite them the second time because okay. that way it's you know giving room for other candidates who haven't had the opportunity to headline one of these events with us. So who are the headliners? Uh, this one we are going to have Admiral Mike Franken, mm -hmm. he's running for the Senate, and Eddie J. Morrow running mm -hmm. for Senate also, and then the two presidential candidates will be Governor Bullock and Admiral Sestak. Okay, wonderful. And give us the logistics for the event that's happening this evening. Well, this is a catered event, which is, the other events that we do is, are all volunteer <laughs> food. Um, uh, but this is a catered event, so it's not quite as difficult. So we have catered with Cornbread, which is a local uh, restaurant in mm -hmm. Ames. And then we do, you know, the promotion and the media and the press releases. But I just mean times of the event tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we start at 5 o'clock, and that's when food service will begin. And then we will kick off our program at 5.45. Okay, wonderful, Maddie. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Coming up next, he says Trump is unfit for presidency, and he wants his job. Meet Joe Walsh next. Welcome back, everyone. Joe Walsh says Donald Trump is unfit. He's a danger to the country, and he doesn't want the country to endure four more years of him. So he's challenging him in the Republican primary, but he's running into some challenges himself. I think he's fundamentally unfit, and I think most Republicans know that privately. You voted for him. I did. I did. Not because I loved him and not because I liked him. He wasn't Hillary. Look, I, I, I thought Trump was a blowhard and a bit of a goof, but I thought maybe he'll appoint a few good people and maybe a few good things might happen. It became pretty clear to me that first year that I couldn't believe anything he said. I mean, that's like a real problem. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you can't believe what your president says, that's a problem. And, and the, the rest of the world right now, Sabrina, is having a hard time believing what he says. So what would you say is the number one issue that is facing Americans right now that you can do better than President Trump is doing? I think, and again, it's, it all has to do with Trump. It's, it's kind of an odd thing. I'm, I'm older than you are. In my lifetime, I've never known a president who's created such chaos. I think the number one issue is I think Americans are tired of all of the daily drama. You wake up every morning, there's a Trump tweet attacking you or me or Jay or, or any American. We're just tired of that. I think Americans want to kind of come together, and, and we're tired of all of this infighting, and he's leading it. You are an outspoken yes. conservative talk show host. You yes. were an outspoken congressman, congressman. for Illinois. Yeah. Um, so maybe... Maybe a, a reformed outlaw, maybe is, is just the kind of person to help bring the country together. Look, Sabrina, you're right. I went to Washington 10 years ago, Tea Party congressman, very outspoken. I, I went at it with Barack Obama tooth and nail every day, and sometimes I went over my skis and got ugly and personal. I actually think 
some of the rhetoric from Tea Party people like me helped lead to Trump. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but maybe I'm uniquely positioned because Trump's voters were my voters. I voted for him. I wasn't a never-Trumper, but I've seen in him kind of like the ugliest version of what people like I did. There is now a nasty rhetoric in politics that exists far beyond the president. He's just feeding into it. So yeah. how do you fix that problem, especially as someone who's as outspoken as you are? Again, I think because I come from that world and I was right at the tip of the spear in the fight and I was one of the most outspoken members of Congress and I've been on the radio, I, I think I come from a place. And, and so, Sabrina, for somebody like me to say, I'm sorry for what I did, we, you and I don't often hear politicians say that. I am genuinely sorry for what I did that helped lead to Trump. I, I, I think I'm able to help bring Republicans and Democrats together because I was right in the fight. And I think Americans are so, look, this president's incapable. All he's doing is talking to his 35% of the people who would support him no matter what he did. He has no interest in bringing people together. He's not going to try to unify the country. That's not how he's going to try to win. I certainly would if I were the Republican nominee. And if I were the Republican president, that's the first thing I'd do is bring Republicans and Democrats together. What is your end game here? What's your goal? To win. Again, How do you do that? Well, but first, Sabrina, and this is important. I don't know why the heck anybody would do what I'm doing if you didn't want to win or if you didn't think you were, were going to win. I know there are a couple other primary challengers, mm -hmm. and they've talked about, you know, they're not doing this to win. I'm doing this to win, period. Uh, because I think Donald Trump is bad for the Republican Party. It is an uphill battle. How am I going to do it? Our campaign slogan is Be Brave. Kind of different for a political slogan. I believe, here's the bet I'm making, I think most Republicans privately believe what I say publicly, that Trump's unfit. The goal of our campaign is to get them to come out and admit that publicly. Admit that, they're, look, there, there's some good things Trump's done, but I don't want four more years of all of this BS. I think that's where most Republican voters are. Our campaign is going to try to bring them out. Uh, Iowa is hosting a caucus Thank God. on the Republican side as well as, of course, the Democratic side, which there are so many candidates on that side. But some states are not. What are you going to do about that? How can you change that? Well, we're going to fight it. But think of how un-American that is. Everybody listening to us right now, watching us right now, imagine that Trump and the Iowa Republican Party just said no Iowa caucuses this year. I mean, imagine how un-American that is and how outraged people would be. South Carolina, Arizona, Nevada, and Kansas did that. Trump and the Republican Party. Sabrina, think about it. If Trump's so strong and so powerful and the party's so united, why would you cancel elections? We're going to fight it. We're going to fight it legally, and we're going to go directly to voters in those states. Look, the Republican Party wants to try to protect their king, so we're going to go right to voters. Republican voters. Thank you for listening to the This Week in Iowa podcast. You can find the This Week in Iowa podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe now. You can also watch This Week in Iowa every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Local 5. For the latest in Iowa political news, follow This Week in Iowa on Twitter or visit weareiowa.com.